Welcome to Be Honest Podcast with Dr. Yana and Dr. Sherry, where we hold honest conversations about life, relationships, challenges, and everything in between with unfiltered discussions with real people offering their authentic stories, experiences, and perspectives. No topic is off limits and no story is too small. Join us on United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM. Greetings, listeners around the world. Welcome to Be Honest Podcast with Dr. Yana and Dr. Sherry. We encourage open conversations and authenticity. Opinions shared by our guests and hosts are personal, and we invite you to actively engage with an open mind. While honesty is valued, individual perspectives may differ, and our content is not personal advice. If you find value in our content, please take a moment to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Be Honest. Your support allows us to reach and serve more listeners globally, as well as a space to watch us live in action. Thank you for being a part of the Be Honest community and tuning in to United Public Radio 107.7 in the Big Easy, New Orleans, Louisiana. Are you ready to navigate the threshold? Today we'll be discussing the art of liminal space, embracing the in-between where possibilities unfold. Without further ado, I'll pass the mic to my lovely co-host, Dr. Yana. Take it away. Passing the microphone. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Sherry. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are so happy that you are again with us today. Today, we have an incredible guest with us, Dr. Craig Johnson. Hello, Dr. Craig. He's so elusive, pops in <laughs> and pops out. Dr. Craig is an evangelical Protestant clergyman. He is the founder and pastor of Bethel Christian Fellowship in Agoura Hills, California. He has authored three books, Nyadushtan, The Enemy of Revival, The Alexander Code, Alexander the Great and the Hidden Prophecies of the Bible, and Tadema, The Deep Sleep That Awakens Your Dreams. Welcome, Dr. Craig. Where is he? <laughs> You're back with us. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Craig. Unmute. Oh, you can hear us. So you need to connect somehow. We can't hear you. I think he's in liminal space. Liminal space. That's right. In between. The science of living in between. Say something. Hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. He's definitely in liminal space. In liminal <laughs> space. That's right. What is the liminal space, Dr. Sherry? Transitional phase. It's transitional. Um, yeah, tran transformative, transitional phase. It's often dealt with a lot of ambiguity, uh, uncertainty. Uncertainty and <laughs> ambiguity. <laughs> I might be cutting out here too. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it is so difficult to pronounce all these words. You know, I was thinking about the complicating words this morning. And sometimes all those words would just like, pop in my mind. They're like, where did they come from? They sound so complicating and sometimes we can't even pronounce them. Right? Because yeah. we're probably caught in between a small word and a big word. 
Exactly. And we don't always use them. Maybe that's there why. There we are. Oh, and, there. You know, I, I had to choose between charging and hearing, and I didn't realize. <laughs> now, the show was fine when I was mute. Wait, now it's going to go downhill. <laughs> we, we, we told the audience that you're in uh, liminal space. Yes, I am permanently. <laughs> I live this thing. <laughs> I love this thing. Well, well, good afternoon, everyone. So good to have you on our show, Dr. Craig. Again, well, thank you. It's you were the honor. previous show, Science and Paranormal, and now you're with us on Be Honest. Well, I'm going to try to be as honest as I can and hold you girls have... to it. <laughs> you're going to have to put your hand on your heart yeah, and just say, yeah. oh, left one, and say, I'll be honest. I promise to be honest. Nothing but the honest, so help me, God. <laughs> That's right. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know it is uh, fascinating. You know, I've found if I can name something, I can understand it. And some uh, the topic we're talking about today may sound strange to people. We talk about living in between, or we talk about liminal space. But once you master the title and you understand the name your life begins to open up, I've found, that we begin to understand more and more and more about what's going on in our world right now. And uh, being in between, it's a very interesting place. Uh, liminal space is a neutral place between an ending and a beginning. I like to use a, 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 an example. Let's say you're in a hotel room and you don't like that. The TV doesn't work or the, the hot water isn't working. And they say, well, we're going to move you out of room 101 to 103. Well, you get your, you pack your stuff. You, you, you leave room 101. You shut the door behind you. And right then you enter into the hallway. And that's liminal space. It's in between. You work. And the door to 103 hasn't opened yet. So you haven't walked into the new place. So you are in the hallway. And that is the definition of what it means to be in between. And aren't we, yeah, go ahead. Aren't we all in the liminal space and in between most of our lives going between the projects, between relationship, between decisions? Yes. Yeah. So it's the all, hallway. All of life uh, is involves transition. Yes, even uh, when the sun goes down and the sun goes up, you're in the middle. That's right. And every place we go to, when you get into an automobile, that's a liminal space. Uh, you get in, you, you, you leave where you were, you get into the automobile and you drive where you're going to be and you get out of the car and you're not where you were. Uh, airplanes are liminal spaces. You leave one place to go into another. There's a, a 624, it says... He led them out in order that he might lead them in. All of life is leaving and entering. We leave the womb to enter the world. We leave kindergarten to enter into preschool. We leave preschool to go to middle school. And then uh, we leave singleness to enter into marriage. So all of life is leaving and entering. And there's a, there's a way to master leaving and entering. For instance, if you leave a state of affairs bitter, you're going to go into the next state of affairs bitter. And if you leave upset and frustrated, you're going to enter into the next state of affairs, upset and frustrated. So, yeah, in a way, all of life is leaving and entering, and all of life involves these liminal moments. But some people have been in between for decades. 
And the problem with in-betweenness is it's a place of disorientation. It's a place where you, you, when you leave a relationship, uh, everything was control. You had a sense of, uh, of, of safety and security. And when you leave that relational state of affairs you, you, and you're now standing in the hallway of liminal space, you are insecure. You have to grieve your losses. Uh, you have to be very uh, careful because we're very vulnerable in liminal seasons. We're emotionally but, vulnerable. But what about the good times when we go from one good uh, event to another? We're also in a liminal space. Yes. Well, another, you could go from one blessing to another. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't that uh, be perfect, going from one blessing to another? Oh, that I would, would love be, that. that. That's <laughs> ideal. That's In ideal. a roundabout kind of way, everything's a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at it, if you've learned from it, aren't you somehow blessed in some sort of way? I think so. I, I think um, there's an old Taoist story uh, that was told where um, um, this, all of his horses uh, run away and his neighbor said, oh, gee, they were so sorry. And he says, uh, it's okay. It's okay. Who knows? It's okay. He, he, the old man is just always calm. And then his son falls down and breaks his leg, and they commensurate with him. He's, oh, we're so sorry your son broke his leg. And the father says, no, no, it's all right. It's all right. And in this string of things that happen is the horses. And the government comes the next day to put his son into the army, but because his leg broke, he's inadmissible. And so, as you said, horrible things can have a different turn. We, we have to put a different view on almost everything that happens in our life. Because I think we're all uh, survivors of things that look like catastrophes that turned out to be the greatest blessing of our life, for sure. Well, could it be that in order to console ourselves somehow and find meaning in misery and suffering, we tell ourselves this is for the good, you know? Mm -hmm. God is always putting something on our path to overcome, to make us better, to show us blessings down the road. But it surely doesn't feel as a blessing when you go through hell, right? Not in like the Churchill moment. said, Churchill, oh, my favorite, one of my favorite guys on earth, he said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Keep going. Don't I'm sure for him it was not a blessing because there was a war at the time and wars cannot be a blessing. So if we look at that, uh, could it be perhaps our human nature that tries to justify uh, the atrocities of life, the difficulties well, and I'm problems? Sure. I'm sure we're, we're, it's some kind of a protecting me protective mechanism. But if you do have a belief in God and a trust that he is sovereign and in control, it sure is comforting. That all things work together for the good of those that love God. But that's, uh, for me, I didn't understand what it meant to be in between. And I always had an underlying sense of insecurity uh, about leaving and entering. Uh, uh, I would have, I would not leave toxic situations because it's all I knew. And uh, it, it, it takes a lot of faith sometimes to cross the threshold and leave the past and move into a new beginning. There's more fear involved with the, that, those steps I've found in, in anything else. 
Well, yes, I know I that think... you have a, s a s series of uh, teachings on this topic. How did you get to it? Dr. Sherry, want to just say something? I was just going to say when the, when the fear of, uh, um, when the, when the pain outweighs the fear of change, we tend to change because we, mm -hmm. it's the pain is, has succumb, has overcome the fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pain and pleasure are great motivators. One or the other will get you moving eventually. But, uh, <laughs> I've, I've found that, um, uh, when you're in the hallway, when you're in between, in life, in between a job, in between a relationship, when you sustain the loss of a loved one, that's a horrendous sense of having to leave the reality of the security of that individual no longer being present in your life. You're thrust immediately into the land of in between. And it's good to know how to function there. Uh, a lot of good comes uh, out of in between. In fact, it's in the transitional uh, phases of life that we meet uh, and bond with the strongest relationships in our life. And then that becomes what's known uh, in the, by the Latin term communi communitas. Communitas is the strongest bond that you can uh, have with another human being. And you see men that survive warfare and they live through World War II. They're bonded in a way because they have a shared experience of in-betweenness. Remember the Lord of the Rings where at the end of the movie, they're all the, the hobbits are in the pub and all the hobbits are drinking, but those four are very somber. They have communitas. They have a shared experience. They survived the in-between season of their journey and their warfare. And there's something about the bond created uh, between men, women, boys, and girls who have survived in-between seasons that it's a bond forged that is second to none. You know, it's that military uh, bond that um, my parents were from uh, the World War II era. And when you would see war heroes come home and come to dinner, uh, those, those folks had a bond that was, and a trust for one another that was unbelievable. So I think a lot of our best friends are in-betweeners, too. So that would be the significance uh of the liminal space, the space in between for several people, if, if they are going through certain time uh, difficulties together. Uh, but what about by ourselves, if we are remained alone? If we leave a relationship, if we are, uh, if we leave a job, or if we were fired, for example. Now, what is the significance for us in that liminal space? It's a, it's, I call it God's waiting room. I call it holy ground. It's, oh, it's like, a, it's a womb that you're in where you can mature and you can, you can glean new understandings. Uh, isolation itself is not healthy. Isolation is hell. Relationship is heaven. But in times where we have to be in between and be alone, uh, it's a time of honest self-reflection. It's a time where we really need to, to pray. Uh, is there anything I need to see? King David prayed a prayer. He said, Lord, if there be anything in me that is not pleasing to you, reveal it to me. Bring it up. When we're alone in liminality, it, it can become crushing. So, I mean, I always tell people, don't stay alone. That's why I always say, go to church. Go, go hang around with some people going through the same situation. Find a 12-step group of people that have just been fired. Find some kind of communitas because we grow better when we have uh, input.
from others. But I've spent a lot of time alone in the liminal space, and that's where I've grown the most, personally. You well, found solitude. Mm -hmm. Solitude. Instead of mm -hmm. loneliness. Yes. It seems to me that uh, when we are in a liminal space, liminal space, like you mentioned, is a space of transition. And uh, in that time, each and every one of us goes differently and understand this space differently. Some are able to tolerate the solitude and some are not. Some have to have uh, people around them to help them to go through it. Uh, what about the, then uh, um, the dark night of the soul? Uh, dark night of the soul as a concept, of course, happens to all of us at one time or another at different periods of our lives. When we go, uh, like you mentioned, uh, from one event in our life to another, and then in the dark night of the soul, this is when uh, solitude can help you to get in touch with yourself. And Absolutely. How would you? How did you find um, strength to stay by yourself to? remain in solitude to find that ground under your feet again sometimes it's a lot of silence uh, because we have so many distractions in our normal lives and uh, like i mentioned before i've raised seven kids five boys and two girls so i i, I was not allowed solitude beyond a certain point maybe 10 minutes locked in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've all there, we've been there. <laughs> nor normal responsibilities are, are helpful. Mm -hmm. Doing normal things during horrible times, I find to be very grounding. And when you have kids or when you are in a position where you just have to function, that's healthy. But, but I just find the mindset is so important. We have to Wherever you are, be there 100%. That's one of the hardest lessons I've ever learned in my life. And that helps me now with solitude, that I, wherever I am or whoever I'm with, I am with them 100%. If I'm alone, I'm there in my uh, aloneness. And I'm waiting to learn and to hear and to understand. And writing is very helpful for me. Writing up notes and journaling and be a and that is the best approach. Yeah. That is the best approach because I know that through every um, dark time in my life, any liminal space, any hallway that I had to walk from the beginning to the end, I know that uh, I was uh, and preferred to remain in solitude. I preferred to get in touch with my soul and with my heart. I preferred to get to the bottom of things that I did not perhaps understand in the previous situation, why it happened to me, why my contract at the university teaching was not extended. Had to understand that. We have to find meaning in that uh, uh, experience, of course, of why the previous relationship did not work out, right? Or why did you lose the person that was so dear to you? And to me, it was very difficult to hear the voice of my soul if I was with someone else at the time. And a lot of the times uh, we go and we seek uh, after the first relationship that did not work out. Perhaps it was a toxic relationship. And we, with a fear of being alone, we jump into the next relationship. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, that relationship proves to be uh, nearly the same as the previous one, toxic. So by doing that, people avoid the solitude. Perhaps they don't know the difference between solitude and being lonely. Mm-hmm. And in my understanding, solitude, that what brings the wisdom to you, if you are able to hear or willing to hear, because everyone can hear that wisdom when their soul speaks to them. I think it is so important to be able to hear, to be willing to hear that. And then the understanding will come your way. Like uh, you are suggesting to go and spend time with people, to go to church, to spend time with friends, not to remain by yourself. But what if there are people who are not able to help the person? What if they're not uh, qualified for that? Then I think uh, perhaps that would be the best choice to stay with yourself and not be afraid of the solitude. Or they could come and see you, Dr. Yen. I think we're all born with the tool. We're born with all the answers inside of us if we're willing to not only hear, we, we indeed have to be willing to listen. And I think when you speak about loneliness and solitude, loneliness is, I believe, when you enter the, the phase of isolation. That's when you when you enter yes. into loneliness, you become isolated. And Now you and I are isolated, Dr. Sherry. Dr. Craig disappeared again. <laughs> oh, I, I just did. That happens a lot in life. <laughs> That's right. It's a reminder throughout the show. <laughs> It's true, but it's very, um, I talked about all of life is leaving and entering, but how we leave and enter is so very important. Uh, Because as I mentioned before, a lot of people sometimes uh, uh, I deal with in relationship and maybe they're going to leave a partner or I always say, um, are you being offended out or are you leaving? Are you being let out? Because I see a lot of people that get out of business situations, friendships, and they're angry, they're hurt, they're bitter, they're upset. They, they have issues to resolve with this person. But often we will leave because it's a convenient thing to do. But there's a difference between leaving and being offended out. Even recently, uh, I was dealing with someone that did, was going to leave the church they were at. And I said, now, are you being offended out or are you leaving? Is it God's time for you to go? Because how you leave one state of affairs always dictates how you enter into the next state of affairs. That's why sometimes if we leave a church angry and we're offended and we're upset, if we don't resolve that, we carry all that baggage into the new door. And we just recover or repeat, I always say, Mm -hmm. recover or repeat. If you don't get healed of that, you're going to repeat the same behavior every single time you step over the liminal threshold and you leave one state of affairs to go into the next, you're going to bring all of you that's all over you into that place. Yeah. So so I think, yeah, solitude is a blessed time to sort of allow God to give you a spiritual shower and uh, look in a mirror and take a look at, Hey, was I responsible for any of the fracturing in that last thing? Uh, And we all know we have a part to play in every relational problem. That's so, so important. I, yeah, it's a surgical room where we can hopefully get healed, or we've all seen it. People go from one state of affairs to the next, and wherever you go, there you are. 
I guess that's right. what they call complications. <laughs> resentment. Complications. Or you bring your resentments with you. You bring the resentment or you stay somewhere resentful and you keep drinking the poison, expecting that person to die and wondering why they're still standing, <laughs> playing the victim. If you don't clean your side of the street, you're going to take everything that's on the side with you. you, you're you right. if, you're, if your house broke down and you don't take the time to build a new foundation, you're bringing the rubble with you. And I see that in church life a lot because you can see 30 people at a time will leave someplace in the church split and they come walking into my place. And people go, oh, it's a windfall. I go, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, because they they hate their pastor and I'm the greatest thing since uh, uh, Bible on cassette for six months until I offend them. <laughs> And then they, their hatred that they didn't resolve with the other guy. I get it. And mm -hmm. I can always see recover or repeat. See, some people don't have a problem. They have a pattern. Good point. Some people say, well, Jimmy wasn't warm and Bruce didn't take care of me and Tommy wasn't affectionate. Well, you know, the only thing that's common in all your relationships is you. Yeah. And, and it could be you. I say, you know, I know it's shocking, but um, yeah, liminal space is supposed to be uh, God's waiting room. It's a showering place. It's a, a mirror, what we need to see. And this is when you are supposed to wake up. Mm -hmm. That's the space of awakening in the hallway, or God forbid, in the hallway ever to, to wake up, mm -hmm. <laughs> literally, physically, but uh, spiritually, intellectually, um, and liminally, we have to be able to wake up at the time. And a lot of the times we don't. We don't, like you said, that we have patterns that we follow sometimes our entire lives and we don't understand. And we cast rocks at other people instead of just uh, casting those rocks at ourselves. Yeah. But in order to do that, we have to understand that we Absolutely. have that pattern. Sometimes that pattern is a problem, but if it is not a problem, it's just the pattern that you've been following, perhaps it is the time to look at yourself and um, understand it and only then keep moving forward. Yeah, because well, ask yourself, what is your part? What is my part? Absolutely. Because uh, we, have, we have, true, we have to take <laughs> responsibility for that. And a lot of the times carrying responsibility is the difficult thing. So that is why we're thinking is also difficult, like uh, Carl Jung said, and that's where most of the people blame. So uh, in order to think, I think that the solitude is that that's when it comes. And uh, I keep seeing the uh, our French commander right above your head. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so interesting, like the tip of the... Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, bring oh, it, there. I'll bring it down. No, no, it is okay. It is okay. Just the, the shadow, the remnants of Napoleon. That's your archetype. Yeah. Perhaps. Could be. Could People be. say this guy's got some interesting issues. Yeah. Well, don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> like you but, said, perhaps not issues, but patterns. Well, but you know, the thing about liminal space is miracles happen in between. Uh, the Lord Jesus talked about sowing seed in the ground and then the difference between sowing in the harvest time that that in between season that seems like nothing it's germinating uh, almost miraculously 
and uh, it, healing happens in liminal space. Um, uh, self-revelation, where we finally see things about ourselves. If we're open, if our hearts are right. But if you are going to go through an in-between season and just be uh, hard-ass about it and just harden your heart and, and not be humble at all, uh, you won't learn anything. It'll, wherever you go, there you are. It's an opportunity, I think, for us to realize that uh, my in-between time, I want to be redemptive about it. I want, I want to make the most of it. Yeah, I don't want to keep uh, dealing with that pain. Yeah. Walking through the same corridor of pain. All the time, going in circles. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Bible, whenever God was disciplining his people or training them, they went in circles. Children of Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. Same scenery for 40 years. And if when we don't learn a lesson, we take another lap. And if I was paid for laps in my life, I'd be a billionaire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The goal is to break the circularity. Uh, there's an interesting verse in Deuteronomy 2, verse 3. It says, you've circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north. It talks about leaving the circularity of our lives. It's become poisonous and harmful and turning into a straight line of conquest. And many of us don't realize it, but we're walking in circles. And it, the, the, the symbol of spiritual life is not a circle, it's a spiral. I mean, you're supposed to go around once and go up. You see, you're supposed to advance. Like the it's, strands of your DNA. Yeah, yeah, if, if you're just going in circles, that's a, that's a very painful liminal space. Mm -hmm. And the children of Israel went, were, in, were in that circularity for 40 years until they learned the lessons they needed to learn. And then Moses died. And he led them in a straight line across Jordan into the promised land. So I think many of us, uh, uh, are, are, it's time to quit circling the same mountains. And it's time yeah. to go into a straight line. Climb those mountains. Yeah, you know, there's a joke since uh, uh, the Bible is a Hebrew Bible, right? And we're talking about the going around uh, in the desert from the uh, the five books of Moses, right? The Old Testament. Yeah. So there is a Jewish joke that um, says the group of Israeli alpinists successfully went the highest tip of the world, Mount Everest. No, <laughs> not catching up. Well. Okay, well, I'm going to explain it a little bit because it is, if you look at it, if you dig into it, it's pretty funny. We <laughs> in, in Russian have, uh, it, it wasn't funny yet, hold on. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's all right. We're, we're, we're redeeming. You're, you're preparing yourself to laugh. We're <laughs> All right, I'm going to get you out of the liminal space. Yeah, the liminal uh, joke, yeah. Right. We have a saying. We have a saying that the smart person is not going to go into the mountain. The smart person is going to go around the mountain, walk around the mountain. So the Jews were walking around the mountain as uh, in the um, desert. You know, like who wants to go up and uh, have a difficult time? Nobody wants to do that. So that is no. why we walk in circles. Say, and that, besides, that's a good joke. 
Mm -hmm. yes. Let me Thank let me you. write that one down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you can say that in one of your sentences. <laughs> and besides, for all the people in uh, uh, wandering forty years in the desert, is actually uh, what was the significance of it? One of the significances uh, is, of course, uh, to exemplify how we walk in circles and not learning our lessons. And another one that the new generation of people had to be born and raised, not in the mentality of the slaves. Mm -hmm. So in that time, the liminal space, because 40 years was a liminal space for them as well, the time of transition, it, it, the only difference was it was not the, the hallway that they were walking. There was no mm -hmm. hallway in, in the desert. So that is... Um, uh, the liminal spaces actually has this incredible significance. It can take a uh, few months. It can take a few years. For me, for example, one time, yeah. uh, tra transitional space took two years to go from um, the end of GoFund relationship uh, mm -hmm. to the time that I found another one. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that time, that was a conscious decision on my part. I decided to take that time off of uh, any relationship and be with myself. And it took me two years of the incredible time with so many insight and understanding and patterns of my own behavior that I was able to figure out. And I said, no, I don't need that. I was able to correct it and uh, fix the crown on my head, said, all right, I'm back in the game. And that's, that did not mean the game of dating, or, but it was the game of life, meaning that I was able to handle uh, relationships in my life, any type of relationships, uh, in a healthy, more healthy manner, in a healthier manner. There, there's superlative degree as a linguist, in a healthier manner. So, so that, you were in the liminal space of life? I was in the liminal it, space, but that liminal I don't think you ever leave the game of life, right? We're in it to, to win it. We're in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it, yeah, we have to, to make win. the most of where we are. That's part of growing up, is that well, uh, I have to work on me and I have to constantly take responsibility for what uh, my part is and everything. And I have to be, uh, make sure my helicopter of self-observation is up and running all the time so that I'm, I'm aware. Uh, and I think uh, that solitude time is, is, is really helpful for growing up and maturing. Like you said, the difference, solitude and isolation, one is poisonous, one is redemptive. And I like that mm -hmm. distinction. Well, if you go back uh, at the, again at the forty years of the desert, uh, th th there's another joke. <laughs> that oh, actually here we go. Back in people, the desert. She's going to keep in the desert forty years. <laughs> it's just so funny. Yes. So at the end of this forty go. years of the desert, what happened? So Moses comes out at the other end, and he found the land of Canaan, of course, and then he has God. God. All those 40 years in the desert and all the space in the Middle East that you took us, that the space that did not have any oil. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. You can start laughing now. No, no, it's fine. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm laughing inside, hysterically. Well, you can show it to us <laughs> as a sign of confirmation. <laughs> Yana, you're adorable. 
We got to we got to just do a joke show for you. That, that, that's it. <laughs> Stand up comedy, right? All the Old Testament, Testament. <laughs> Old Testament <laughs> jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it it it's something. It's uh, it's holy ground, though. I found it's it's like putting a recipe in the oven. Uh, it, it's a place where you're cooked up, where where healing can occur, where transformation can occur and all transition is awkward i point that out to my kids i say honey you're in a time of transition right now of course you don't feel up to your game of course you feel a little insecure of course it's like being at a party without a drink i mean you just don't when you're when you're in between you, you you're not surrounded by former securities comfortable things and so it is a rather uncomfortable season. But the joy of it is, is that God has all of his children in some kind of liminal situation. So you can find communitas with people. That's why I love 12-step One specific issue or addiction. You know, they just greet you in terms of applause and they accept you for who you are and you're just one of the group. And there's something about being in a room with people that are going through a similar thing. There's a healing just being there. Just, you, you know, people don't have to fix you therapeutically. Just being around folks that are in between and are doing it well. And iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens the countenance of his. Find others what that are similar. You, you keep disappearing and I already have uh, on, on my next thought and I ask you a question and then you come back. <laughs> we need to fix that situation there, Dr. Craig. Um, what about those people that, uh, like you mentioned, um, you leave the familial, familiar environment and things that you were accustomed to that felt good to you. What about those type of places that people felt comfortable in. However, that was not the best thing for them because in abusive relationship, that happens a lot. People stay, they become codependent. And for them, either because they had similar um, events and uh, experiences in the childhood that they look for the same type of, uh, the same pattern of behavior in other people when they are adults. So being an adult and living a relationship uh, that was um, familiar to you, but nevertheless, you had to leave for some reason, one way or another, you are in a different space. You're in a space of trans transition now. So if you don't do the job that you are supposed to be doing on your soul and on your heart and on your mind, understanding the situation, then like you said, you're going to take everything in the same familiarity in the sense of... Um, uh, being addicted to the unhealthy relationship and you're going to take it to another one. And those are familiar situations. This is something that people are used to mm -hmm. and they find comfort in abusive relationships. I don't think it's comfort. It's false comfort. It's, it's yeah. false it's comfort. Yeah, Absolutely. Comfort. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, so, so probably yeah. it is also the best approach uh, to be in the community of other people who probably already had gone through that, or perhaps not, is the community of people that is going to be so help helpful. 
I, I read of a study that they they forced fed Wonder Bread to rats, and they all died of malnutrition with full bellies. And that's what it's like when we're in dysfunctional relationships. We're eating something, but there is no nutritional value, and it will kill you eventually. Yes. It isn't true comfort. It's false. Resentment has the power to and kill. Like you say, codependency is is a state of such abject brokenness uh, that, yes, you are drawn only to sick puppies. You're drawn only to uh, dysfunctional situations. But I think there's a point in our lives that we, we have to make a choice to get well. And uh, God, if we won't leave, God will intervene in some way and yes. uh, make sure or that they leave us because um, we need intervention so often. I know I have in my life where if God didn't intervene and, you know, take me out of a situation, I would have died there. Yes. There's a saying that goes that God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves yes. or however you want to phrase it. It's Even true. when you're going through life, if there's a rejection, you just have to remember that rejection is the divine's protection. If you're dealing with a rejection in your life, there's something greater than yourself t teaching you that it's not good for you. And if you keep going after the thing that's rejecting you, chances are you're just going to keep eating that Wonder Bread, wondering why I'm not gaining any nutrients. And it's a scary thing, but I think... Um... You know, there's a story in, in the Bible where the Lord Jesus is at the pool of Bethesda. It's an open pool where sick people were laying around. And, and he comes up to a guy who has been crippled 38 years, 38 winters have come and gone, 38 summers and falls. And he has just been laying there waiting to get into the water, which was reputedly healing water. And Jesus walks up to the man and says, Wilt thou be made whole? Doesn't that sound like the dumbest thing for someone to ask? Crippled. <laughs> but it's not dumb. Mm -mm. Some people don't want to get better. They'd have to give up their handicap sticker if they got better. There are consequences to changing your life. Uh, there's a book called Killing the Victim Before the Victim Kills You. And there's such truth to that. And I, will you be made whole? Now, the question was, he, he didn't want to leave the security of his affliction for at least 38 years, but he had to make a choice. And finally, he said, yes, yes, I do. And then he healed him. But, but, but I'll tell you, as a pastor, you know, we, we just presume everybody crying wants to get better. That's not true. Oh, that is absolutely is the case. Therapist, you guys know that. Yeah, it's a yeah. big key. I mean, people come in and they give their presenting problem, which is never, it's never about what it's about. It's always about something else. But even then, you find out when most people ask for counsel, they're looking for an accomplice. Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely. So many times did it uh, happen that people would just come to me and demand that help. Say, okay, I'm paying you money. You do it. And I usually tell them that I'm not interested in your money if you're not going to do the job and the work on yourself on your own time and do the homework when you leave from here. Some people, uh, if you tell them that, you know, because not that many people talk like that openly 
I prefer not to waste my time and get right to the business and that they would be taken aback. Oh, how come? How come? D don't you just know just how to fix me immediately? And mm -hmm. I say, yeah, I can put a patch, right? That the band-aid, we can fix it temporarily, but then it's going to, uh, the infection is going to grow and the infection is going to kill you. So a lot of the times people choose, they choose, just like you said, to get better and not really to play the role of a victim because that victimhood, I think, is like the staple of our society. Oh, it is. By the way, it's an identity. It's an identity to live in. That's to right. Hide behind. Yes. And you have to yeah. don't have to take yeah. responsibility for yourself. That's why I believe when you take responsibility for yourself and you look at other people who you think are causing you harm, if you can look at that True. person as emotionally unstable or spiritually sick, and you can just maybe think of a person like you said in a wheelchair. You can't expect that person to get up and walk if they're paralyzed. And so many times in relationships, we 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 try to change someone. We want them to walk. They can't walk. But in our own case, we, it's up to us to make the choice instead of blaming that person for their malady to fix our own. And, you know, we live in a culture now where we have to distinguish between can't and won't. Mm -hmm. Difference. You know, when I was little, my grandma would always tell me every time I would say uh, I can't. She said there is no such word. There's no word I can't. There is word I don't want to. And mm -hmm. I learned that. That means that if I'm not able to do something, that means I don't want to do that. So you're absolutely yeah, right. My handicapped boy, Michael, can't walk. And the other people won't walk. Yes. Right. And God knows There's a difference. who can and won't. And he has mercy on can't. And exactly. we all do. And that's exactly. what we're here to help people who can't. But people who won't, there is no remedy. There's nothing. They go from marriage to marriage, relationship to relationship, friendship, friendship, and they're still playing the victim role, yeah. still playing the victim card. And it just doesn't work. You know, you wake up and you're 80 and you've mm -hmm. been doing that your whole life and you have no roots, no friendships, no, you know, you know, he, he died alone. Yes. By choice. By choice. Absolutely. He didn't give one opportunity. He one... gave a million opportunities to that person. Right. Well, here's another joke. <laughs> So speaking about the victim mentality, right? Uh, uh, well, first, uh, let's just note that uh, we are live on United Public uh, Radio Network 107.7 FM. And you're listening to Be Honest Show with Dr. Yana and Dr. Sherry. And today we have incredible guests with us, Dr. Craig Johnson. We are talking about liminal spaces. And here goes a joke. <laughs> a man is drowning in the ocean. So he's like, God, please help me. Please help me. Take me out of here. Haven't I suffered enough in this life? So he couldn't hear God's word or anything. Nothing is really happening. But all of a sudden, the boat comes in, you know, like from far away. He sees the boat. And uh, the people from the boat, uh, they are throwing the ladder to him or sending this small little bitty boat to help him. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. God is going to help me. Right? And the boat is like, okay, that's fine. We're going to go on our way. And he's like, God, 
I've served you so much my entire life. I've been nothing but good and you are abandoning me. So the next thing, there's a helicopter that goes and the helicopter's throwing that ladder. Please come up, like hold on to the ladder. We're going to pull you out. No, 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 go away, go away. My God is going to save me. So the dude was sitting in the ocean what, for several hours now. He's so exhausted. He's like nearly died. And his last words like, God, please, like you have to help me. You have to help me. So there's a submarine. If that was an American dude, there is a Russian submarine that is coming up to save him. The, in the Atlantic, <clears throat> and the submariners like, hop on, hop on the board. We're going to save you. What are you doing here in the middle of the ocean? And the guy's like, no, 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 I'm not going with you guys. You're Russians. <laughs> that, that I made up, of course. That's part. I'm not going with you. God, my God is going to save me. So the submarine disappears, go back into the uh, waters. And the guy dies. He drowns and he dies and he goes into that liminal space. We're not going to say he goes to heaven. He goes into liminal space because now he has to respond, right? Hold the answer. And he says, God, whenever he sees him, why haven't you saved me? I've been so good to you. And you are such a bad and uh, uh, vengeful God. You didn't save me. And God said, what are you talking about? Dude, what are you talking about? Just like that, like the Robert De Niro. Uh, what did he say in the movie? Um, analyze me. Analyze that. He said, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> are you stupid? What are you talking about? and he said i send you the boat i send you the helicopter and i send you even the russians the submarine you didn't want to be saved that's right that's the thing when people don't want to be saved they can even cry out to god that's right and we don't recognize deliverance when it comes no but at the same time there's so many that's times a good joke that's a good joke yeah tonight. i, mm -hmm. I got to give you a thumbs up on that Right, we're gonna start the show. Yana's jokes. <laughs> <laughs> now I forgot what I was gonna say. Very difficult well, to well, recognize. All those interruptions, huh? <laughs> well, is like liminal space uh, akin to purgatory? In a way. On Earth. I think it it's it's a season of time in between what used to be and what is not yet. It's being caught between the right now and the not yet. And it's either a terrifying time or it's a redemptive healing holy space. And I think when we first enter into in-betweenness, it's terrifying because you, you lose control. You have no sense of control. A lot of anxiety, a lot of um, questioning, uh, uh, and, and it's at this time when we're particularly vulnerable that we need to be on our guard from what I call tricksters, liminal criminals. There are people who can smell someone in between. They can smell your insecurity. They can smell the fact that you are not in charge and they enter in. There are people that thrive on chaos. There are people that uh, are only happy when they're when they're causing trouble and those kind of folks are drawn they can smell someone in a liminal space and so it's really important when we're in between that if we're with people they need to be people of communitas they need to be people 
in a in-between 12-step group. They need to be true friends that are safe, that don't that love you as an end in and of yourself and don't want anything from you. Because tricksters that show up, men or women, when we're vulnerable, uh, they're there for chaos, usually. Mm-hmm. You know, it does feel as uh, you are in purgatory, right, Dr. Sherry? It uh, does feel. Um, I know that about myself, um, when I was going through times like that, I wish that someone would just stretch uh, their hand to me and just tell me how to get out of it once in a while because I didn't know how to do it myself. And I would wish for this kind of help and I would seek that help, but not being able to find anywhere that I went. And I went to many places, including the church and uh, people were not able to help me. And um, uh, what happens is that a lot of the times we can't rely on people because people are people, they're human. And then you rely on that divine grace within yourself, that divinity that is in you. And you have to reach to that because if we look at the, the purgatory. What is a purgatory? Purgatory, by the way, that the idea that was given to us by um, Divine Comedy, right? So if we look at the Divine Comedy, why was it called a comedy? Why was it divine, right? Because um, at the time that it was written, uh, it was called a comedy because it was re- written in vernacular. Uh, however, it could not pass for anything that could be published, and that is why uh, it had to be called divine comedy. Uh, so instead of just a comedy, it became a divine comedy, right? Because it was, in fact, tragedy, right? It was a tragedy to uh, be in, in the purgatory, to go through the nine levels of uh, hell, uh, if you're lucky to go through the nine levels of hell. If there is a nine levels of hell, that means that there should be nine levels of heaven as well. I guess the cat survived that one. Oh, that's right, nine nine lives. So (laughs) where did that come from, Dr. Craig? Tell us. Uh, Well, purgatory is a Catholic doctrine uh, that was invented uh, alternatives of heaven or hell immediately seemed a little bit too extreme so let's have an between place where yeah. you're you're purified or you get a second chance or you're able to be uh gain more understanding and you're able to uh progress and uh but it's not a biblical concept it's not in the bible at all but i think when most people hear purgatory it is a good usable word for tra- for liminal space it's a place of learning it's it's like Ebenezer Scrooge getting to learn about his life. And uh, the Christmas past ghost comes and says, let me show you your past. And, you know, if we could have experiences like that, the idea is we would, we would throw the junk off earlier. We would, we would become consecrated and holy people. And that's what people were doing at the time. If you remember, they were buying indulgences. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is the indulgence? They would just yeah. pay the prisma, p- priests uh, money. That said, and Grandma that... just got 5,000 years off in purgatory. And then <laughs> right. you build so St. Peter's. Yeah. I've got to think of that. That was just a shake money off maker. Your... Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was a huge <laughs> money maker to shake off your sins. But Don't see, we have it nowadays. Like life, life is a is a schoolroom, 
And we need to make the most of our learning experiences. And unfortunately, people don't like to keep learning. I call it the hardening of the categories. Well, usually when we get older, we get rigid. You can tell how old you are by how much a new idea gives you pain. Um, <laughs> we, we are to be childlike our entire lives. We're to constantly grow and be becoming. But unfortunately, most people just sort of harden along the way in terms of relationship and in terms of growing. And that's a sad thing, you know? Yes. Some people will settle, just mm -hmm. settle for that feeling of angst mm -hmm. and just deal with it, furnish the rut. But if, as you go through life, if you do well in your school or in the classroom and you continue to learn, all of our situations plant seeds. So if you continue taking the time in solitude or being a part of these community to gain communitas, each transitional phase, I believe that you go through, I won't necessarily say that it's easier to deal with, but it comes, uh, you're better able to cope with the uh, embracing the unknown. Excellent. And that's why I hope by naming this today, some people will say, oh, in between, oh, that's what it's called. Uh, I call it hell in the hallways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, purgatory, guys. Yeah. Purgatory. <laughs> it, you've left one room, you haven't entered into the next one, and right now you are in transition. And and if people say, well, gosh, that's where I am, well, then it's good to know. Because uh, naming in the Bible, if you could name a demon, you would have authority over it. And there's just something about the power of naming conditions even. Mm -hmm. um, we had a friend for years that was sick, and no one knew what the problem was. And one day he came into a Bible study and said, thank God I've got leukemia. <laughs> I mean, finally they discovered what it was and now he could do something about mm -hmm. it. But it would, there's something beautiful about naming something. Yes, it and, gives an identity too. And yes, you, mm -hmm. you're not just blind. You're not yes. just running into walls. In the, in the hallway of hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> running into walls would that be so pathetic and sad running into walls and why is that running into walls because we are blind we are asleep still even then and it's absolutely important to open your eyes because blinded by what dr yana would you say what are you blinded by fear not just blinded by fear we are blind blinding that we want to continue uh to live the same ways uh, keep the same patterns so uh, we are blind uh we're blinded by our own stupidity and rigidity i guess <laughs> i know that once in a while uh well i can say now because now i'm uh, almost a saint you know but before <laughs> oh yeah but before no of course even now of course that, that there are these rigid ideas that is so difficult for me to let go although i'm not thinking about my age that a craig like this is not the de determining factor of <laughs> growing old if i cannot accept the idea but uh, uh, some rigidity is still there, and uh, I can't say that I'm completely fluid uh, because fluid has a new connotation in this uh, modern life now. So that fluidity I'll keep to myself. So that's uh, um, a very important thing to have, not to uh, to actually to open our eyes in the purgatorial hallways. It's so important to keep your heart pliable and sweet and childlike no matter what you're going through is flexible people survive 
in most of the car wrecks, it'll be the drunk that never even gets a scar and flies out the window and lands on the lawn and everybody else dies. There's something about flat. And mm -hmm. uh, even martial artists know that you have to be flexible in times of chaos. Rigid people die in traumatic situations. Flexible people don't. They survive. True. If you look at the forest, if you look at the trees, when the wind blows, they bend. They bend. But only the inflexible ones, the old ones that don't have any flexibility. And I'm not talking about the human age. This is uh, also uh, in the age of the trees. Then they would break. They would break when they don't have any life left in them. So we have to be thankful. But sometimes it's very difficult to be thankful for those um, situations that uh, we, traumatic situations that we have had, which we left. But we can only put the puzzle together, the pieces of the puzzle retrospectively. It's impossible to sit here and to understand uh, all the puzzle pieces. How do they fit together only retrospectively? And so many times, all those um, situations that I have left and relationship that I have left, I'm so grateful. Now all of the puzzles, puzzle pieces came together and I understood that those were not good conditions for me. But at the time, it felt so good. <clears throat> felt like uh, I really needed that uh, because I was so used to that. And I needed that and I craved that. But that was bad for me. So for the people who are listening to us right now or watching, uh, if you are in a difficult situation right now, that shall pass. Just give it some time because time, as we say, heals, even if it doesn't feel as if it is right now, but it will. And I can promise you there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I've seen it. I've seen it. I lived it. So I can tell you that there is a light and the time is going to pass and you will feel better. So just keep reminding yourself that this shall pass. You know, in those um, difficult situations in life, and I have, have had uh, or had had, let's just say had had, uh, <laughs> to be <laughs> grammatically correct. I had many of those situations, such dire situations, like sometimes life and death situations. And I would um, um, feel so bad. And you know, it is the time of incredible despair. And that liminal time, doesn't matter how big the situation was, it could also be the time of despair. The only thing that ever helped me, the only thing I've tried so many different techniques is to talk to myself and say, this shall pass, this shall pass. And it doesn't matter how many times I told myself this shall pass, this shall pass. And that helped me. That was the only phrase that helped me. Who was that? The, the Ecclesiastes who said it, right? Again, in the Old Testament, this shall pass. Everything passes. I think water is a good analogy when you say fluidity, because we're practically made of water and water is not rigid. It's always flowing. So if you just remind yourself, just be the water, be water and flow, because when you yeah. become rigid, you can't compress water. Not the bog or the swamp water, right? The flowing water, the live water, right? The water that moves, preferably the mountain water. Hmm? 
Well, it's well, the best space. Mountain is, rivers. It's sacred ground. It's holy ground. It's healing ground. It's God's surgical room. It's when surgery is going on. So it, it is a productive time. Sometimes we are more productive when we're sitting still than when we're running around like a chicken with their head cut off. I think there's a the more we can learn more in a short period of time locked in a liminal room. The bumps of life. And so are the condition of our heart is the most important thing. Will I make the most of this? Will I let this be a healing time? Am I willing to look in the mirror and see the truth about myself? And um, God, give me the strength to face what I need to face because God is so merciful. He won't let us out into the new thing until there's a degree of acknowledgement and healing. Otherwise, we'd be poisoning everyone we run into. We'd be taking our toxicity everywhere. And so it's, uh, it's often the mercy of God that he locks us out of the hotel rooms for a while until we can <laughs> learn a little bit. Absolutely. And um, I wanted to get back to uh, the topic of um, adopting the victim mentality. <clears throat> because a lot of the times that uh, all of us, without any exception, when we find ourselves in difficult situations, we pity ourselves. We feel bad. We cry. Well, women probably more than men, but um, uh, but the feelings are still there. Feelings, those feelings of despair are still there, and we do feel as um, the wronged um, part, right? The, the 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 in the relationship there are two parts, right? Two people. We feel that the person that had been wronged, right? Yeah. Because we're still, we are human beings and we're egoistical human beings. And of course, that our interests come first. And that's what we believe, that we've been wronged. And uh, uh, we do feel victimized, right? And what happens at the time? that even if we feel that way, I think it is so important to get the hell out of that mentality. It's absolutely important not to uh, really pity yourself for so long. There is time. Uh, I think, in my understanding, that you have to allocate some time. When you're in that liminal space, you have to allocate that time. You have to make a plan for yourself. Okay, so this is the week that I'm allowing myself to cry, to binge eat, to binge watch the Netflix. And that is going to be the end. For example, from Monday till Sunday, say, but on Sunday night, you go to bed and in the morning you get up. And on Monday, next Monday, you are new human being. You fulfill the plan that you set out for yourself and you create the action plan. And that's what has to be. But I had um, a friend actually numerous friends they were good people but their entire life that i observed them they played the victim they played the victim being good people at the same time you know but they did not amount to much in life all of their relationship one after another were ruined they did not uh, accomplish goals that they ever wanted to accomplish that they would set up a plan for themselves 
but the plan will still be a plan, an implemented plan because of the of being a victim. Someone would always be wrong. Someone would always be there to blame for their inconsistencies, for things that did not turn out well. And that is the huge pitfall that we have to watch out for. Not everybody's as um, capable of following or implementing such a plan out of victimhood. I believe that victimhood is a ongoing process throughout the rest of our lives. I think we will always, there will always be moments that we will find ourselves True. in the victimhood. Absolutely. If we don't take responsibility for our actions and every choice that we make, we are playing a victim in some Absolutely. shape or form. Mm -hmm. So but I do agree with you. Having a plan mm -hmm. is beneficial, but I don't think everybody's going to follow that. And I think right. how do you find, how do you come out of victimhood, Dr. Johnson? Can you, well, I've, I've heard so many phrases in the culture lately. You're about systemic, have a systemic sin problem is that we're all sinners. That's our systemic problem. And we are all victims and we are all victimizers. We have all victimized other people. Uh, you can think of it or just let a few pop into your head right now. Yeah. People you spot it, you got it, right? Yep. And there's something about the nonsense, this bifurcation between certain peoples are victims and others are the victimizers. And that, that Marxist model does not bring inner healing, doesn't bring help to uh, clarifying people's identities. It is a constant blame game. Where and that is why it takes the great responsibility. And Absolutely. yeah, there, you have no responsibility because you play a role. But the truth is we've all victimized others and we've all been victimized. So since we're mutually uh, uh, participants, we have to have grace for ourselves in areas where we have been hurt and do the best that we can to bring healing to those areas. But we also have to be utterly blunt and brutally honest that we ourselves are also victimizers at times. And we all, we all switch in both of those roles all throughout the rest of our lives. We have to accept that systemic sin problem is always going to be raising its ugly head. Me, 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 mine, 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 you know, give me, give me, my name's Jimmy. That's always there. And I find that's a holistic way of viewing it where you can't fall into one ditch of identity. Both. And even in one given day, we are victimizing at some point or being victimized. And it's uh, part of growing up to see that we're culprits too. You know, I have a phrase that I love. I always say, look what you made you do. <laughs> look what you made you feel. Look what yeah. you made you think. Look what you made you react to. We always and only can take personal responsibility for our own victimizing that we commit. We, we can't be responsible for what other people. A wise friend told me, he said, when you're pointing the finger at other people, mm -hmm. how many fingers are pointing back at you? At four. Three, four. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, that's really good. That's mm -hmm. the problem. And, and it's always true. Mm -hmm. And Mother Teresa said, you can't love somebody if you're too busy judging them. Mm -hmm. 
You know, that is so interesting is that, uh, well, growing up, it was a really bad uh, taste to point fingers. And as a little child, you point fingers. And my parents and grandparents would always say, it is really not uh, a good thing to point fingers. So in the the Russian culture, that would be more polite. You don't point finger like this. You show like this. You show like that and like this. (laughs) So... All the fingers pointed other people, Dr. Sherry. <laughs> we were taught that as well. When you're point. polite, all the fingers show <laughs> at other people, point at other people. <laughs> you just so when you're not being politely. polite, you're like, you're shooting the gun. You just have to, to do it politely. That's right. Yeah. Besides, what is, uh, um, what is diplomacy? Do you guys know what diplomacy is? Being a diplomat? No. There's a joke coming up. That's right. It's like walking in the desert. What is diplomacy, guys? Diplomacy is the ability and the science to send the person to hell. And that person goes there with a deep sense of satisfaction. Yes, that's a diplomat. (laughs) So seriously, we have... Also known as a narcissist, right? That is, yeah, if we just uh, look at that, jokes are jokes, but nevertheless, uh, we have to be able to approach our own situations with jokes. Uh, over yeah. the years, um, I've every time that I would read, and I love to read the um, philosophers and their quotes uh, of classical era, and I would uh, stumble upon uh, quite often what did I stumble upon? Hold on. It's just like, I, I have like 10, joke. I, I have 10 thoughts in my head and I'm like, oh, too many of them just want to pop in, of course. What was it? What was the I saying? Just the hallway of hell. <laughs> the hallway of hell was already before. All right. I forgot about it. 10 thoughts that I was going to say. But uh, um, I have to be making notes, you know, guys, because... Uh, uh, my mom told me when I was little, she said, you speak so fast in Russian. She said, even I don't understand you. She said, how do those people, when you speak English, understand you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I so, think you speak just fine. We have. I have yeah. to record my thoughts because there's so many of them that I will express and then I forget. So it will come to me. It will come to me. Well, something about the quotes of the classical era is where you were coming from. I was already in Hellenistic world, already being the uh, Helen of Troy. I was already there. So that's it. My mind dissipated and just was left in that liminal space long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So the people, the people who suffer a lot, they are the, uh, the kindest people. Mm -hmm. They, because they know the suffering. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times that, um, I, I'm not playing a victim. I am not just saying, oh, I've went through a lot in my life. Life has been so difficult. It has been difficult. Mm-hmm. And every time I have even uh, more challenges, however, things that I had gone through, most people don't go through. If I would put it this way, and there was a war uh, that I uh, went through and um, uh, dissipation of the country and the collapse of economical system. And going from being the top of the society to the complete bottom of the society, uh, having lost everything in life and having to start everything anew. I have learned one important um, trait is to, in any situation, 
we have to find a meaning. And not just only meaning, we have to be able not to take ourselves so seriously. Because if we do, then uh, we will just be stuck in a rut in that liminal state uh, forever. We have to be able to joke. And that means that if I joke, it doesn't mean that I'm a superficial person. It mm. means a lot of the times that people have gone through so much in their lives and they are able to joke at themselves. And that is the strength of a person when they yeah. can joke at themselves. So in any situation, in any liminal, in between transitional space, we have to find the moment of joy. And even yes. if the joy is not there, we have to go and find it in some way or another. It is so important to do. It's win winsomeness. Winsomeness is childlikeness. And that's a condition of the heart. You know, we can be in liminal spaces joyfully. Mm -hmm. Find your purpose. Excuse yeah, me. Hopefully, understandingly, you know where we are and say, okay, I'm going to liminal it up here. I'm going to make the best of this. I'm going to heal here. I'm going to allow transformation here. I'm going to look, let my helicopter of self-observation come rise up again. And, you know, I always ask people, are you looking through your glasses or at your glasses? You're looking through your glasses, but I'm looking at your glasses so I can see you in a way you cannot see yourself. And you're looking through your life, not at your life. I'm looking at your life so I can see you in a way you cannot see yourself. That's why we need one another when we're going through difficulties because we can mirror healthily what's going on. And uh, you can see what I can't see about me. And so that's why being a solitary person living in a liminal space, you can only grow so much alone. We're mm -hmm. to be involved interdependently in healthy The important thing forever. is to get out of that space. Yeah. The important thing. Learn yeah. your lessons, mm -hmm. get wiser, and yeah. keep moving. And hang around wise people that are uh, liminal people, that are people that are... Uh, of communitas in your life they're all around they're all mm -hmm. out there uh you just have to find them yeah there's a saying that goes we are who we hang out with yeah show me your friends and i'll show you your future that's right <laughs> and i will tell you I who tell you my are kids. that's true yeah. i'll tell you who you are i'll show you your future yep every time they just there said no daddy exceptions. quit saying that i said no show me your friends and i'll show you your future Honey. Exactly. Yeah. You're a Be good careful. dad. You're no. a well of wisdom. You're a well of wisdom. Oh my goodness. I'm flattered now. <laughs> it is because you have the head cut off right above you. You have two heads now. Look at this. <laughs> One on top of the other. <laughs> oh no. What are these shows doing to me? I'm telling you. <laughs> you're but a warrior you, on the inside. That's right. That's right. You know, there's something so beautiful about just dwelling together, just being with people that you have communitas with. I mean, just chit-chatting at a coffee shop with someone you just met is not communitas. Communitas is a shared experience. It's a condition you have only with people who have come out alive with you in a similar circumstance. Well, you know, just looking at one another, what the other is thinking. You, you know, you know someone so well 
because of your common shared experience. And that takes time. I think there's a spoken truth there, truth and respect. And that's two of the highest va values in life. Mm -hmm. And you, that's what that commu communitas mm -hmm. is filled with. Truth and respect and kindness. Kindness to other human beings. Because a lot of the times we don't know what another per person is going through. He may be having a mask on, mask, mask of happiness, for example, when inside the person is dying and even not recognizing that we have to be able to be kind to other people, regardless what it is. If somebody is uh, willing fully uh, comes and steps on your toes or like slaps you, uh, then of course that you cannot be kind to that person. Like at least uh, I am going to uh, say right in front of um, Pastor Craig, I'm not going to give another person to slap another cheek because I only have two and both of them are mine. Nobody <laughs> touches them unless they want to kiss it, right? No, nobody gets the chance to slap uh, uh not even one cheek, but if they try to do that, it means that, that they will have uh, to uh, learn about boundaries, sometimes a hard way. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have to be able to be kind to people because a lot of the times we, we are missing that in our lives. We're missing. There are people who don't have any kindness in their lives. They don't have any love in their lives. And that is why when you see other people on the streets, be kind to them. Yes, be when you practice being kind, you practice mindfulness, I believe. Mm -hmm. It's like kind in mind. So when you're mindful, you have the capacity to be kind. Yeah, Dr. Sherry, my mind is very full of so many different ideas. I have no idea what it is to be mindful. <laughs> I think this word has well, been you have like, a lot of jokes oh, in there. I'll give you that. For <laughs> you, mindful, full-minded. Yeah, that's true. That's you know, Abraham Lincoln said, everywhere I go, I pluck a weed and plant a flower. And that's just a beautiful way of seeing things. We're here to be answers to other people's prayers. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful saying. We say, Lord, I'm at your, I'm available. I want to be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. And uh, it's amazing. He takes me up on that every day. Don't you have a piece of Abraham Lincoln somewhere in that? Oh, heaven's sakes. I've a got piece, a like his of... nail, the pinky or something. No, no, no. no. His hair, I, right? I have, some of his hair. Hair. <laughs> I have some of his hair. I have a piece of wallpaper from his bedroom. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I have. <laughs> from bedroom. <laughs> Peterson house. I have. Why bedroom? Oh, um, I think that's it. My son Grant would mock and say, and, and over here, Lincoln's bones. <laughs> One of my well, stepsons said, Daddy, Daddy, you should you should redo your hair with historical hair. I said, Thank you so much. Smart Alan. It's not a toupee, no, it's a relic. You are going to plant that hair hair and you are going to sign a new declaration, right? <laughs> Maybe we need a new declaration as a country. <laughs> it might help. But you know, it's interesting that word communitas is so helpful because you find you find people often that you feel you've known your whole life. And you don't need to get too acquainted. You get acquainted right away. It's usually because you're sharing with a liminal person.
questions, you feel a certain bond immediately with certain people. And it's usually because you've, uh, you have a commonality uh, in in-betweenness. And uh, you just need to, I'm sort of a collector of questions. I just ask people questions until I find out all I need to know about them. And it's funny, if you are on an airplane and you just ask people questions, I always say, ask people questions. And that rarely ever happens. But oh, it'll take a two-hour flight out. That's true. But when you're in an airplane, the thing is that people are more willing to open up to the people that they don't know. And they think that they will never see you again. Yep. Imagine their frustration and their horror if they see you back again and they poured their heart out and told you everything about themselves. <laughs> I had an old, I had an old preacher that used to say, uh, son, get yourself a jackrabbit, confess all your sins to him, and then shoot him in the head. That's what he used to tell me. <laughs> what was your response? I became speechless all of a sudden. Poor rabbit. Yeah, because... Yeah. See, this is not joke time today, oh, I'm what, telling what, you. What kind of are you shooting the rabbit in the head? Yeah, because uh, he knows all your sins, and now you're free. And now, yeah. you know, like in the Old Testament, Testament, Old Testament, I was going to say estimate, and estimate as well, Old Testament, mm -hmm. there was the such a phenomenon, and many people don't know where the scapegoat came from. And the scapegoat actually comes from the Old Testament. It's when all of the sins of the people, they were casted onto the poor goats. You know, it's like shooting this poor rabbit in the head. Poor goats, they had to carry all of the sins of those people and blames. So that was the idea of the scapegoat. Mm -hmm. Well, as long as it's taking my sin away, I'm grateful for it. Well, we're coming back to the indulgences again. So no such thing <laughs> taking away uh, the sins. It's uh, a lot of the times that it releases you re of the responsibility mm -hmm. that you have to be taken for your life. And then mm -hmm. the actions that you take, they can be so harmful to other people. But if you come to God and say, oh, God, please forgive me. I wronged that person that uh, now that person is suffering, but you do not come to that person and you don't say, listen, forgive me. I was wrong. Plainly, I was wrong. And what good does it make to go and apologize to God about it? You have to be able to go and make peace with that person. Sometimes it is not possible. And you have to make that peace with yourself and only with yourself because of the difficulty and complexity of the relationships. At times, you have to make that peace with yourself. Perhaps you don't have connection with that person anymore. The person died, like we spoke uh, uh, last time. Mm -hmm. But um, or if it were to harm them, if it were to cause harm with the amend, you would not. You would maybe stray away from amending. Yes, if what you have to amend would cause them to feel harm in any way. It is also a part of the twelve-step program to go and amend relationship mm -hmm. with. People. You wronged, and unless, I mean, that's unless it would harm, unless yeah, it unless would it harm, exactly. Yeah. But how do we know? We're just yeah. humans sometimes that we don't mm -hmm. know that person, if unless it's a willing done willingly, right? Willingly, mm -hmm. willingly. Some yeah. things you can still say you're sorry for, and you know, some things you can just take to no. your creator. But I agree with you if you if, if you can amend something without harming someone. 
absolutely take the do do it because I believe it offers you a freedom. It, yes. it, it, you know, it, it frees you. Yeah, we're the ones tied up in those chains uh, with mm -hmm. unforgiveness, and it, it's part of just being honest and That's walking right. in honesty with yourself, with God, yourself, and with others. And it isn't saying everything that comes through your head. That's not always healthy. But processing hurt and processing, you know, usually sit down and write a letter, and get everything out, and then burn that letter, never send that one. <laughs> <laughs> send about the third draft, if you're exactly. going to And have a caring person read it as well. Uh, but it, it, it's so important to keep current in our own lives with our issues. And being in a liminal place just is difficult sometimes, but there's help there. God will always give us what we need when we're in between. And like I said earlier, some people I know have been living in between for decades. They just, they, they, they're, they're not where they were and they're not where they're going to be. And they're just both feet firmly planted in midair is what so they what is your like. advice what is your advice well name this uh, listen to my series <laughs> <laughs> so how can people find you and listen to oh, your series I have a, because I have this eight, beautiful series eight week series on in called living in between it's on our website drcraigjohnson.org and you can just go down to audio sermons and it's called In Between, the series. And there are, I think, eight, eight weeks. And there are notes also with every sermon. So you can just download the notes. And everything I say is already in note form for everybody there. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. My As pleasure. we conclude today, let's get ready for an exciting week ahead. We've got an engaging episode lined up. Next week, we'll explore the life-altering magic of saying no. Whether you're a devoted Be Honest listener or curious about transforming your journey, this episode is packed with thought-provoking ideas about moving past maybe, where saying no is self-care. You won't want to miss out. Mark your calendars for next Friday, January 26th. Same time, same lovely place. Join us on United Public Radio 107.7 FM as we continue to ride the roller coaster of life. In the meantime, you can find us Dr. Yana, and Dr. Sherry at BeHonestPodcast.com. We enjoy sharing our journey with you, our valued listeners. As you continue going about your day or night, remember to wear a smile, move past the liminal space, and be honest. Be honest and stay honest. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Craig, for joining us today and sharing yeah. your wisdom with us and our listeners and viewers. Thank you. We we'll hope to see you again. Bye.